The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Listen, do not despair. We have a God who is unchanging. And I want to just remind you at the beginning of this message of some great biblical truths which are here to strengthen us and to encourage us. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Our God is an unchanging God. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even though we're going through difficulties, even though we're going through circumstances where there's change and there's adjustment, we can be strong in the fact that our God remains the same. He doesn't change. And despite the continuing pressures, and it seems like they are continuing pressures that are coming against us, I want to remind you of this. God is good. Our God is good. God is love. He loves us and he cares for you. God is over every circumstance. He's over all and God is in all. He's in every circumstance. That is true. We don't always feel like it in our lives, but it is true for us to say that this is what God is like. Our God knows the end of all things from the very beginning. Nothing is a surprise to him. Many things are a surprise to us, things that we weren't expecting. We weren't expecting necessarily for this virus to be carrying on in this way right now. We're looking for freedom. But you see, God knows the end from the beginning, and he understands all things. Our God is all-knowing. That means he is omniscient, or that's the word that theologians use it for. He knows all things. He knows every secret of your heart. He knows every pain and difficulty you are going through. He knows everything. And not only does he know everything, this is good news. Our God is all-powerful. Again, for theologians out there, it means that he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And this is good news too. God is everywhere present. He is omnipresent. So our God is able to do all things. He is with us in all things. He is close beside us, even where we are right now. Look, nothing, nothing is hidden from him. Hebrews 4.13 says that. Nothing is hidden from him And, and, you know, it goes on in in Isaiah to say this. He has our names written on the palms of his hands. That is how precious we are to him. Sometimes we forget that we are precious to him. Sometimes we forget that he loves us. Sometimes the circumstances that are coming against us overwhelm us. But all of these things that I've been reminding about you this morning, about reminding you about this morning, I want you to know this God that we've been talking about, this God... He wants relationship with you. All of these attributes that I've been talking about, this God that I'm describing, he wants relationship with you. Here's some more biblical truth. Genesis 1 verse 1 starts with this, In the beginning, God. And Isaiah 43, 13 says, From eternity to eternity I am God. In the beginning there was God. There was nothing else but there was God. 
That's something for us to get our minds around, to think that, look, we tend to think of ourselves as being so important. Hang on a moment. In the beginning of all things, God was. As I say from in Isaiah, it says, from eternity to eternity, he is God. God is, God always has been, God always will be. He is the only uncreated one. And because of that, he is worthy of praise. Because he is supreme. He is great and mighty. Colossians 1.16 says this, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Everything has been made by God and God is over everything, and everything has been made for God. That is what the Bible tells us about. So we sometimes think of ourselves as being, oh, it's just me, I'm unimportant, I don't have any real value. That isn't the way that God looks at it. He looks at it from the perspective that you are important. He has chosen you. He has called you. He has made you for himself. You have been created by him and for him. And 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20 go on to say this, especially for those who belong to Jesus. You are not your own. You have been bought at a price. We were created to have a close relationship with him, a living relationship with this wonderful God, this almighty God. We're supposed to live reliant upon him because he has created us and he wants us to have that continual relationship with him. Let me ask you, just while we're in the midst of this service, let me ask you at home, how is your relationship with God? Let me say this, is it being nurtured or is it being ignored? Nurturing means you're encouraging it, you're developing it. Ignoring it means it's just being left a little bit on the side. Are you advancing in your relationship and taking more ground, as it were? Or do you feel like you're standing still or maybe even you're going backwards? Listen, January is a time of refocusing. We know all about New Year's resolutions and things like that. But it's a time when we can reset our lives. It's a time when we can make a fresh start. It's a time when we can develop new patterns of behavior that we can continue in as we walk through this year. For instance, coming back to lockdown, I noticed last week, every day I'm in the office at home working, and suddenly you think, I haven't been out of the house, where usually I would always go out of the house. I've got back into the habit of trying to have a walk every day, of getting out to have some exercise, as I'm sure many of you are doing. But the idea is that you're developing a pattern. And you know, when lockdown stopped last time, suddenly I began to let, oh, those walks began to drift away because I could get out and was more free. But we develop new patterns. January is a good time for us to develop new patterns, not only in life itself, but for our spiritual lives, for the benefit of building that relationship that I've been talking about. And so we're coming into this two weeks of renewal. And the idea of that is just to say, hang on, stop. Let's get into a new pattern. Let's develop some Bible reading. Let's give ourselves some time in praying to God so that we can get a pattern in our lives. Let's even do some fasting. Let's give up some food. Let's give up the phone or some of your your apps and things like that. Let's give up Facebook for a while, but let's 
focus upon God. I particularly want to encourage you to, to go without a meal or to, to fast for a day or two because that's a good way. And certainly when you do that, you, you'll find your body talking to you in, in many different ways. Let me just remind you what we spoke about last week, what Paul said. And I want to keep this as an encouragement for us in Philippians 3 verse 13. One thing I do, he said, forgetting those things which are behind. I can forget about 2020. Not that I want to eradicate every memory of it, but the things that I I wasn't pleased about, the patterns of behavior that I, I want to forget about, I can forget about them. I can leave them there. But one thing I do is I press on. And Paul says, I I can forget about those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. And that's what I want to encourage everybody. You who are watching here this morning, I want to encourage you. Nurture your spiritual life, especially over these first two weeks that we're going into. Nurture your spiritual life. And that relationship with God can deepen and strengthen for you. Now I know that these are easy words to say, and actually sometimes they're more difficult to implement. The problem for us is the same as it's always been, and we touched on this a little bit last week. It's the same as it was for Adam and Eve. The problem, quite simply, is the three letters sin. That is the problem and the effects that sin has. Sin disrupts relationship, especially with God, but it can also disrupt relationship with those around us. The eating of that forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden brought us all into a new position, but regretfully not a good position. And going back to the uh, garden in Genesis chapter 3, where you can read about it, Genesis 3 verses 4 and 5, where the serpent was speaking to Eve, he said this, you will not certainly die. You're not going to die if you eat that fruit, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In the uh, King James, it says, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Adam Clark, uh, in his commentary, says this, the object of the tempter appears to have been this, to persuade Adam and Eve that they should, by eating of this fruit, become wise and powerful as God, for knowledge is power, and be able to exist forever independently of him. And that's the sad truth that we face. The eating of this forbidden fruit has had a devastating effect in our lives. It's not one that we always notice, but the effect is this. It has brought mankind into a place of self-reliance. And the I can manage, that attitude can come upon us. So he said, no, it's okay, I can do it, I can do it. That attitude comes into us. That independence that it brings is a sickness in our society. It's a pride of our lives that does affect us all. We are in a sick position. Look how far we have fallen. Let me just remind you about the scriptures that I've even read. Colossians 1 verses 16. We were created by him and for him, but now we're seeking to live independently from him. We never set out that way, but independence does show itself in our lives. And those who have received Jesus Christ, we've just said that we're not our own. We were bought at a price. Well, if we're not our own, then we shouldn't be acting independently. And if we've been, a price has been paid for us, which it has been because Jesus has come to rescue us, then our lives belong to him. And that's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and 15. 
Paul says this, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, the point that Paul was making is those who live now we have been saved, we shouldn't be living independently. We should be living utterly dependent upon God. Because we've been created by Him and for Him. We are here to do His will, to walk out His ways, to enact His purposes here upon the earth. That's what we're here for. Let's look at the example of Jesus for a moment. Jesus came to earth to carry out the Father's will. John 6 verse 38, this is what Jesus says of Himself. He says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. You see, the example of Jesus was, he hasn't come to live independently. Hey, I'm here, I'm going to do what I want, I'll go around, I'll travel, I'd like to go and see a few sites. No, no, no. Jesus came to carry out the will of heaven. Again, Jesus said this, John 12, verses 49 and 50. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Look at that dependence that there was in the life of Jesus. Jesus didn't just say, oh, I'm going to say what I want to say. Hey, I want to speak my mind on this matter. He never spoke his mind on any matter. He only spoke the things that heaven was wanting him to speak. He was a man utterly submitted to God, his Father. The challenge for us is that here we are living in a society that only wants to see independence increase and increase and for everybody just to do what they want. Hey, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, you just go and do what you want. That is so far away from the life of Jesus and it's so far away from the life of Christianity that we have been called to. We were created by him and for him and we are to live for his purposes. But here's the question, how does this independence show itself? It's all right for me to say, well, there is independence and we're acting independently and we want to get away from that. But how does it show itself? I mentioned a little bit of this last week. And incidentally, can I just say, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I am working this out. I am seeing this in my own life and seeking to deal with it. Because you know what? Unless we start to recognize the problem, we don't know what problem we're dealing with. Sometimes you hear in church people saying, you need to repent. And people, if they've done something wrong, like they've just robbed a bank or something, yeah, okay, that, that, I, I feel that. But otherwise, we're just carrying on in life. Hey, you know, I'm trying to live a good life. You can't even see what you need to repent of. That's where we need the Holy Spirit. That's where we need the understanding. That's where we need the Word of God. That He would shine His light into our lives so that we can see the sickness of independence that is actually all around us. And I see that for myself. I've noticed in myself that this tendency to be independent is there. Look, let me go through four particular ways how I have noticed that this independence is showing itself. Some of this I mentioned last week, so some of it's a repeat, but I'm carrying on from there. First of all, a feeling that we don't need God. A feeling that we don't need God. Now, when you come to church, you come and you focus, I've come here for God. I've come here to worship. 
But I'm not talking about the time in church. I'm talking about all of those other hours of the week when you're away from this environment and when you're just getting on, you're doing a bit of cooking, doing a bit of shopping, got to do another Zoom call, you know, you forgot to unmute yourself yet again and all of those sorts of things that are going on. In that busyness of ordinary life, we tend to carry on as though we don't need God. A scripture that I mentioned last week in Job, and yet the truth is this, Job says, if God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. That is like a sort of a, a, a cinematic type of picture of what could happen. Because we were created by him and for him. And therefore, if he was to take his hand away, it's like we just go back to the dust that we were created from. That's the truth, but our minds are wrestling to get hold of that truth. You see, we have a feeling within ourselves that we don't really need God. If we had a sense that we need him, then our hearts would be directed to him all the time. This is what I notice in my own life. You know, Moses warned the Israelites just before they were coming into the promised land, just ahead of them getting taking their possession. He warned them of the fact that when they were going into the land and they were going to get houses and they were going to start uh, sowing their own crops and gathering in their own crops and having an abundance of food, when all of that was happening and they were receiving that, they risked, and he says, their hearts becoming proud and then forgetting about God. And in the society in which we live, when there is so much, yes, even in lockdown, you can still just get through to Amazon and order something, and it'll be here tomorrow. There's so much. All your stuff is being delivered now by the supermarkets if you've got, managed to get one of those slots and things like that. You know, what do we need for? We're in such a place of abundance. We're in a place of risk that our hearts become proud and we think, I don't need God. And there is a tendency for us all as I have reflected, to be in that place. And yet the truth is what Paul preached to the Athenians in Athens. Acts 17, 28, For in him, he told them, for in him, that is in God, in him we live and move and have our being. Whether we realize it or not, that is the truth. Listen, there is a independence can show itself in this feeling that we have, a thought that we have. Well, I don't really need God. You know what, sometimes it's not a feeling, sometimes it's actually just the attitude of our lives. Secondly, I talked about this last week, prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Can I just say, prayerlessness doesn't mean you don't pray. Okay, can I talk about this for a moment? Prayerlessness doesn't mean you don't pray. Prayerless means that actually you have little desire to pray. Oh, okay, I'll do it. All right, I'll get this out the way. Have you, have you ever, have, ever felt like that? I have. That's the problem we're dealing with. It's not that we don't pray. Oh no, I say my prayers. I'm very religious in my prayers. You see, we can say our prayers, but that's missing the situation. The situation is that basically we're prayerless because we don't believe that God is really there to help us and that we need Him. And that if He was to withdraw His hand, we would become back to dust. That's how desperately we need Him. And if that desperation was alive within us, then that desperation would turn us to prayer. Because prayer isn't just the saying of words. Prayer is the realization of relationship with heaven. That's the very crux of what prayer is about. I remind you of the quote I said last week from Adam Clark. Prayer is the language of dependence. He who prays not is endeavoring to live independently of God. 
This was the first curse and continues to be the great curse of mankind. And another quote from a guy called Jock Troop, who was an evangelist in Scotland in the early 1900s. He says this, prayer is a futile exercise to the self-sufficient. Can you hear that? Prayer is a futile exercise to the self-sufficient. And that's what we often think. We often find ourselves thinking like, is this really worth it? I mean, is God listening to me? We've lost the awe that God is everywhere, that he is always present, that he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing. He knows the list of requirements that you have to bring before him before you've even opened your mouth to bring it because he knows you and he loves you. And yet there's a tendency within us to actually find that we're prayerless. William Wilberforce said this, of all things, guard against neglecting God in the secret place of prayer. Prayerlessness is another way that this independence shows itself. Thirdly, a lack of thanksgiving and praise. Now, again, just hear me out on this, and I realize I'm running out of time a little bit. A lack of thanksgiving and praise. Well, hang on, we've just been in the service. We've just been singing along, especially at home. You've been singing along to the songs as Ian's been playing them to us. And we, oh, we've been enjoyed in the worship. And so we're worshiping. Yeah, but let me just, that's on earth. And that's our little bit. Let me just take you into heaven. The other day I was reading in Revelation. Revelation 4, verses 8 to 11. And this is the picture that John, who wrote Revelation, is looking at. He's seeing this vision. And he's seeing the throne in heaven. And one seated on the throne. And around the throne, there are 24 elders on other thrones. And there's four living creatures. And he's seeing this wonderful scene. And this is what he says. He says, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And as they're saying that, it says, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. When I read that, and I was looking at my own life, sometimes I feel like worshipping, sometimes I don't feel like worshipping. I was thinking like, whoa, in heaven there is permanent worship because of the adoration of the greatness of God. And that just causes me to challenge myself. What is it, Jonathan? What is it in your life that stops you being full of praise all the time. Because when we look at the magnificence of God and the greatness of God, surely we would say, He is worthy. He is worthy of all things. A lack of thanksgiving and praise. We reflect on what is happening on earth to what is happening in heaven. And finally, I'll just mention this. A lack of passion for the lost. We all know what the Bible teaches about the end times. I don't really need to tell you, and I'm not going to go into it all now. But we know that Jesus has come to offer salvation and how important salvation is. If we know that, why are our hearts lacking in passion 
to see those who don't know that they need to be saved being presented with the gospel. It's just a challenge, isn't it? We're thinking in ourselves, oh my goodness, I do understand these things, but you know, I'm busy and hey, I'll share my faith when I get the opportunity and praise God for that. But I'm not just talking about sharing our faith, I'm talking about what's inside of us. What is the passion? What is driving us? It's the lack of drive that I'm looking at. The lack of impetus that says to us, I need him and I must turn to him. And it's displayed in these various ways. This sense of we're different, we're, we're away from God. This sense in which we don't need God. The prayerlessness that actually exists in our hearts, this lack of wanting to, to give ourselves in prayer and to give ourselves to reach out to him so that we might engage with him. A lack of thanksgiving and praise and a lack of passion for the lost. I have seen in each of these things, these things exist in my life which tells me that there is an independent spirit in me. And I don't believe that's the way I was created because the word says I was created by him and for him. And I don't know about you, but now we're coming to a time of consecration. We're coming to a time when we can have renewal. We're coming to a time when we can say, okay, God, I can't answer all these questions. But one thing I can do is I can bring myself to you and I can ask you to come and help me. And that's the aim of what we're doing. We just want to let go of the life that we so easily control just a little bit. In fact, we want to let go of it a lot. And we want to say, God, please, come and have your way in our lives. One thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things which lie ahead. Amen. Perhaps next week we'll get the opportunity to share a little bit about, more about prayer and the different levels of prayer and also the approach to God. That's what we hope to look at next week. So until then, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.